Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. All right, let's get into this tonight. We've been uh, talking in these weeks, these past few weeks, talking about growing up spiritually. And so just kind of just with what we were... uh, with what we stepped into just a minute ago, I'm just, I believe God's just going to help direct us tonight as to how we can uh, come back and get into that place of worship. And really, it's just a matter of helping you grow. Because you realize worshiping God is an aspect of spiritual growth and maturity, right? You know, we talked about the difference between uh, babies and children and growing up into a place of perfection. Well, I can remember uh, when I was... Uh, younger, you didn't really appreciate mom and dad that much, right? In fact, for the little ones, like you got little ones right now, they, they don't really tell you a whole lot that they love you. I mean, all they're really saying is, I want, I want, I want, right? And then when you don't give them what you want, or like my son, he'll tell me, he'll say, you're out of the family. <laughs> That's his famous line. And so when they're little, they're not so prone to tell you that they love you. Or when you get a little bit older, you may not be so prone to be appreciated by your children. But it seems as though when you get older and get matured and become an adult and live life, you're like, Mom, Dale, I love you. <laughs> you were all right, you know. And so as we begin to grow, as we express our worship towards God, that is just an expression of maturity or growing. Because, again, your spiritual walk, you have the tendency to always talk to God from the perspective of God I want, God I need. But when you find out just how much God loves you, you come to God not with a, a request. You just come with God saying, God, I just want to love on you. Amen. So we'll, we'll purpose to do a little bit of that, of that tonight if we can. What time we got? All right. Got some good time. Well, tonight I want to begin just by kind of. Starting out with just a scenario or a story, um, or just a, an interaction, I guess. Uh, last night I had the opportunity to go to a uh, showing for a funeral. Uh, somebody within the church, they uh, had a loved one. In fact, it was Tim, his brother, passed away. If you don't know Tim, Tim's been playing on the, the guitar, the bass, and his brother passed away this uh, this week. And so uh, I had the opportunity to go spend time with the family. And then I got an opportunity to talk with his cousins. And one of his cousins by marriage is a little girl from the Philippines. And uh, she's from a very large church over there. She went to Bible college over there. And when she came over to the States, she said, you know, I was expecting the church to look different. And she said, I was greatly disappointed by how the church looks in America. And it's interesting that that statement, we over the years have had several international people come. Uh, Some of them were doctors that came through, some from India, some from uh, Nigeria, uh, some from, uh, where was uh, Vijay from? Where was he from? Tanzania? No, I don't know where he was. (laughs) I forget too. But anyways, every time that we've ever had anybody come to the United States from another country, here's the constant theme that I've heard. We were so eager to come to America, the the nation that was established under God, that is known to have a strong church. And when we got to America, the church was asleep. The church was just laying down. 
Their church was not strong. Their church was complacent. Their church was not alive. And this young girl said the exact same thing. She said, I was coming to America thinking that church would just be booming and moving and shaking. And she said, I was just so disappointed. And so she she began to ask me some questions as to why that is. And, and so I started to share a, a few different things with her. And she says, well, I've, I've heard that statement before. And that is, is that the culture of America has shifted and changed. And she said, but isn't there, shouldn't there just be a culture of the church? And I get what she's saying. But in essence, what we've done is we've created church. The business of church to look a certain way. And really there is no prototype within the Bible that says church ought to look this way. But in essence it says the church, the body, the individuals, the people ought to look this way. Right? And so I just said, well, you've got to put that into context, but also you've got to understand just the culture that has shifted in the sense of where America is at versus other nations of the world. And the reason that we've gotten to the place that we're at is because really America has gotten to the place that we don't have need for God. We've got all of our needs met, right? In fact, even the poorest of the poor within our nation are rich compared to the majority of the world. And so we've come to a place of complacency where we really don't need God Again, we're talking about growing up spiritually. But then as we begin to look at the church and how it's shifted and how, how it's changed, I want to just bring to your attention from the standpoint of how everything changes. Right? Because it's so easy for us to get into this rut of thinking church has to look this way or it's got to be this way. But let me just bring to your attention for a moment in regards to things that change uh, we have different age ranges within this this setting tonight. And if you can think back to the very first car that you can ever remember, it's a whole lot different than the kind of cars that are on the roads today, right? I mean, they've severely changed. I can remember back with, with dad's, oh, I don't remember, I think it was a, an Oldsmobile. It had the eight-track tape, right? It had the front seat that was a bent seat. And it had the, uh, it had the, uh, uh, the seat belts. You know, it wasn't the shoulder strap. It was just the ones you put around your waist. Well, how many of you know it's changed? Everything looks different now. Your seat belts have changed. But not only the seat belt, man, they got airbags. You know, it's no longer the eight track tape. It's no longer the, 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 the cassette tape. It's no longer CDs. Now it's just, the digital files, right? You can plug your MP3 or whatever it is in there and you can, can begin to have music. Again, technology has changed. The, the whole makeup of the car has changed. It's safer. They're more efficient. Uh, they're built cheaper, right? Do you know what I mean by that when I say they're built cheaper? I mean, it costs you more money, but they're built a whole lot cheaper. I can remember when I bought my truck and, and, and filled it up for gas for the very first time. I put the nozzle into the uh, the gas pump into the nozzle or whatever you call it, the receptacle. And the whole side of my truck started to flex just putting that in there. I'm thinking, how cheap is that? And I pushed on the side of it and I could push it back and forth because the metal's so thin. Does that make sense? And so everything is shifting and changing. And obviously we look at things for the sake of it making things or things are uh, uh, made to be better, but not necessarily. But at the same time, the cars that we're driving today don't look anything like the ones of the past. 
Or if you think about just the needs of people. The needs of people has caused there to be changes within a vehicle, right? In fact, I was uh, on, a, on a motorcycle ride with some pastor friends a few weeks back. And as we were uh, uh, on the motorcycle ride, we would stop and we would stop at different Harley, uh, Harley-Davidson dealerships and looking at the different motorcycles and just kind of drooling a little bit. Well, I've got a little side thing on my handlebars where I can put my phone in and then I can use my GPS. Well, you know, the new Harley-Davidson's, they got GPS's built right into the dash. I mean, it's just wild. It's just technology. Well, it's all based upon the demand of the customer, right? Well, how many of you know that when it comes to just small-town America, it's changed. The landscape has changed. It used to be mom-and-pop shops, right? You could go and everybody had something that they were doing. Maybe it was the, 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 the grocery store. Maybe it was the barber shop, whatever it might have been. But now there's these big-box stores or corporations that have come in, and it's a whole lot more convenient because everything's a one-stop shop, but it's put all the families out of business in the small-town America, right? Because the landscape has changed. Well, when it comes to the church, it's changed as well. Like I said, everything has changed, right? I talked about the, the big box stores in America, but you know, even that being said, it, it, it's, it's even moving outside of that. It's going into online shopping. Anybody shop online? Right? I was talking with Jordan the other day, and Jordan says, yeah, I buy everything on Amazon. Don't have to pay shipping. Everything is sent right to the house. Don't even have to get out. Don't even get out of my PJs. It just gets sent right to the house. Everything's changing. And as I said, the church is changing as well. And as we see over the years, there was a season or there was a time in our church history where it was called the Dark Ages, where the Word of God wasn't being preached. People were falling by the wayside. They weren't learning the things of God. But then God began to move through the generations and through the centuries. And then just in modern day times of many of our lives, back in the 70s, there was what was known as, <clears throat> excuse me, was, or I should say back in the 50s, was known as the healing revival. During those times, during the, the late 40s and the, the, the 50s, there was a move of God where you begin to see people healed in, in all kinds of services. People were just set free. People were, in fact, they said it was as easy as getting people uh, healed as it was to get them saved. It was just a move of God. And then we begin to see that there was a move of God uh, for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. In fact, it came out of the Catholic Church where people were being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the ability and the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that started a movement where God began to move and fill the church with the power and the glory of God. And then we've seen the move of God came through the 80s where it was just what we called the Word movement where people were just hungry for the Word. Come on, hungry for the Spirit of God, hungry for the Word of God. Do you remember those times in your life where you were just hungry for the Word? You couldn't get enough of the Word. Just teach me the Word because, man, it's changing my life. And then there came a move of God where it was just the Spirit of God or what they called the Holy Ghost meetings, if you will. And it was just a time where it was a time of refreshing, a time of joy. And these moves came and went. And now we're living in a season and we're living in a time where it seems as though things have grown dark again. We've talked about those things in the past and it's not to get in a place of or a mentality of doom and gloom. It's just simply that's where the church is at. Well, why? Because the church is changing. It's shifting. And you think, well, it's shifting for the worse. But we've got to understand that this is what the word of God said would take place before he came back. 
Amen. Now he said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. I'm coming back for a remnant. I'm coming back for a church that's full of my power, full of my glory. But not every church is going to be that church. Are you tracking with me? In fact, where we went out, where we went to Bible college, we got out of there. And again, we would have those meetings uh, back in the mid-90s. And literally 10,000 people would show up for a meeting. People would be lined up outside hours before the service would ever start. There would be overflow rooms. People just wanted to get where the presence and the power of God was. You know, today, they can't even fill a bottom balcony or a bottom layer of the church. It's because the hunger has dried up. Back before, people just wanted to serve. And I'm talking about Raymond. Mrs. Hagen, she shared this before. Back in the 90s and back in uh, the early 2000s, people just had a heart to serve and get involved in church. And she said, you know, it is hard to get people to be involved and committed to church nowadays. In fact, it was just a few months ago that there was a code that came up on the screen and it was a code for the nursery. And nobody was answering it. And it kept flashing. And so she got up. Here she is, 70-some years old. Pastors a church, or her and her husband pastor a church of... Uh, 5,000 people and nobody would go and work in the nursery. So she got up and she just went and loved on little babies because somebody had to do it. But that's the season and the time that we seem to be in within the church. Amen? So, to bear reference or to bring that out scripturally speaking, the Bible tells us in Revelation, and you don't have to turn here, you can maybe write them down as a reference point. But, John spoke of the churches that was a type and a shadow and an example. He goes through and he lists different churches. One, there was the church of Ephesus. And all these are churches that were in existence long ago. But he makes reference to them as to today as a type and a shadow of where the church is going to be before the return of Christ. He speaks of the church of Ephesus and he says this, that the church has forsaken their first love. The second church is the church of uh, Smyrna, and this church would suffer persecution. The third church is the church of Pergamum. It says this church this church needs to repent. Then there was the fourth church was the church of Thyatira. Uh, forgive me, I don't know how to say it that well. But this church had false prophets. Then there was the church of Sardis, this church had fallen asleep. There was the church of Philippi, and this church had endured patiently. And then there was the church of Laodicea, and it was the church that had become lukewarm. And so as we begin to look at those types and shadows and the examples of the churches that were, and the last church that is before Jesus returns is the church of Laodicea, which is the church that is lukewarm. Come on, does that bear reference to where the church is today as a whole? You know what lukewarm is? Meaning you're just kind of going through the motions. One, one foot in and one foot out. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. One, first, one foot saying, I want to serve God. One foot saying, I want to serve me. Come on, is that the church today? It absolutely is. And again, I'm, I'm not just saying our church. I'm saying church worldwide. But it's interesting that Jesus said this. He said when it comes to the parable of the sowing and the seed. He said the word's going to be sown. 
He said, and there's four soils that are going to be sown into, but only one of them is actually going to produce. All the other ones are going to reject it. So 25% of those that receive actually produce fruit. Right? Do you remember when the first church was established? Jesus said to 500, he says, go into the upper room and you receive the Holy Spirit that's coming. It's the promise. It's, you're going to be endued with power. And the Bible says only 120 went. Roughly 25%. And then when we look at the examples of all the churches that I just told you about, there was the church that, are, that, that had forsaken their first love. There was the church that suffered persecution. There was the one that needed to repent. The one that had false prophets. One that had fallen asleep. One that endured patiently. And one that was lukewarm. When you take all seven of those churches, the ones that actually were doing anything or that had not went backwards was roughly 25%. So what's the, t- the statistic? Is that before Jesus comes, there's going to be a church. There's going to be a church that stands up and shines. There's going to be a church that is full of power and full of glory. But it's not going to be all churches. It's going to be the churches that say, I want God. I want more of God. Amen? But here's what we've also got to understand. That when we talk about church, we're not talking about a building per se. We're talking about people. Because you can come together all day long and have a big church and have great music and be dead as a doornail. It's about people that are full of the power of God and are doing what they're called to do. Amen? So how does that happen? Because we're talking about growing up spiritually. If you remember, we said that in Ephesians chapter 4, there's a specific way that that happens. In order for you to grow spiritually, the Bible says that there is a process that takes place and it happens within the local church. Right? You are the church, but spiritual growth begins within the church. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian? You ever heard that before? Well, you have to go to church in order to grow spiritually. You can't do it otherwise. Well, you know, I can find Jesus out in the, wor- out in the woods hunting. Well, you might be able to see God's goodness and you might be able to have fellowship with God. But that doesn't substitute the local church because that's where you grow. And then he says, as you're there in the church, he says, the way that that happens is that God puts leaders in your life, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, or spiritual leaders to speak into your life that will help mature you or perfect you, it says, so that you begin to do work of ministry, so that you begin to grow and edify the church, right? So that means that there's a part for you to play. And do you realize that when you get before God, it's it's not going to work? To say, God, I didn't know. I didn't know I had a part to play. Yeah, you've got a part to play. You've got a purpose. Right? And you can't plead ignorant. In fact, for that matter, think about what the church could look like if all of us knew what God called us to do. We all knew what our purpose was. Because isn't there a lot of people that are sitting in the chairs of a church setting but don't know their purpose? They come to church and they say, feed me, pastor. I want to feel good. I want it to be about me. And I want to leave and not have to be responsible for anything. But didn't God say that you are responsible to build and edify the church because you've got a purpose? So what's your purpose? 
Amen. Come on, are you, are you tracking with me? Remember last Sunday I said, if we would be people that say, God, who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want me to share the good news of the gospel with? Who do you want me to love on today? Who do you want me to pray for today? If we live life with the expectation that God was going to direct us to the right people, you cannot be overcome or overwhelmed by just the tedious, needless junk of life because every moment we'd be saying, God, who is it? Who is it? And we begin to have his heart. Right? Think about how your kids would live life if they're going with you to Walmart. And as you're going into Walmart, you're saying, okay, come on, let's going to find them. We're going to find them. And so your children start to look for the the person that you are on purpose going to meet that day. But what do they do? They go in. Can I get this? Can I buy that? (laughs) Right? Because their mind is all consumed with just stuff. Are you tracking with me tonight? And so God wants us to begin to grow. He wants us to begin to develop. He wants us to walk in the light of what we know. In fact, if you will, turn to to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. In Ephesians there. It tells us to grow up, to not be children, but go on to completion or to become the perfect man. And we said that the perfect man or who our example is, is Jesus. And so in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, look at what it says here. He who says he abides in him, speaking of Jesus... He who says he abides in him. Okay, let me just stop there for a minute before we read on. Because it's real easy for us to say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm abiding in him. Yeah, I go to church. I abide in him. I read my Bible. Yep, that's me. I abide in him. But notice what he says. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So what's that mean? You and I are examples, and if you want to put it this way, we're little Jesuses walking on the earth. You ought to walk, talk, think like Jesus. Was Jesus caught all up in the affairs of life? No, he had a purpose. Did Jesus have an awesome life? Absolutely. Did he face persecution? Absolutely. Did he go through stuff? Absolutely. But did he live a good life? Absolutely he did. So if you're to walk just like Jesus, think about what that looks like. You go everywhere with purpose, with intentionality. Work is no longer a slave to the grind. It's my ministry. I go to work because there's somebody that needs Jesus. Amen? You know, I was, uh, I was uh, calling on some information. If you don't know, uh, part of my heritage is... is Native American, and so I called my people. I got some peeps down in Oklahoma. <laughs> I uh, I called them for some information, <clears throat> and so as I was talking to the ladies, I, she couldn't find what she needed, and I said, well, if you want to, uh, you can just send me uh, the information via email. Well, our conversation had went really well, and I had talked to her before, but when I gave her my email, it's pastor at gvchurch.tv is what my uh, email addresses and she goes oh she goes you're a pastor I said, I said yes I am 
And she said, okay. And so we got talking. And then as we hung up, she says, well, you have a blessed day. And I said, you too. Well, see, as a result, the conversation changed because all of a sudden we had a common denominator. She knew I was a believer, right? So if we as individuals, as we live this life, if everything that we do is with the intentionality of I've got purpose, I'm going to fulfill my purpose, that's growing up spiritually. Amen? All right, so continuing with this idea of growing up spiritually... We've got to understand that we've got to be taught in what that looks like. When you think about a child, a child, we've already said, is selfish. They throw tantrums. They can be stubborn. Have you ever told your child something and their response is, well, I don't want to. You ever heard that? I mean, doesn't it just make you get all warm and fuzzy inside and smile? (laughs) Like, well, praise the Lord. No, it lights you up on the inside. Thinking you're too young to be telling me you don't want to. I don't care if you don't want to. You're going to do it anyways, right? Well, once again, when you're childish, those are the kinds of things that you talk about. But as you grow, spiritual growth or maturity is not selfish. It's disciplined. It's motivated. And it's an initiator. Did you hear me? It's an initiator. My kids are still childish because I still have to get them out of bed. And they don't have any motivation at all. I have to motivate them. And sometimes the motivation gets a little bit stern to where I don't want that kind of motivation. (laughs) Right? So they're not initiators. Why? Because they've not matured as of yet. But think about it. As people, that's why God gave us parents, right? Well, as spiritual kids, God gives you spiritual leaders to help you in that, right? But let's just take it back a minute. I'm speaking to adults here. Many of you that found Jesus later in life. And so, therefore, you're finding this faith walk thing is kind of challenging, Why? Because you've had a long life of living the way that you've lived. Thinking the way that you think. Doing things your way. Being selfish, unmotivated. Right? So in other words, we could say, you've lived a long life of just being a spiritual baby or being a baby. But then you find Jesus as an adult and you're thinking, whoo, whoa, this is kind of challenging. Well, think about it. If your parents were there to help you grow spiritually at a young age. How much easier would it be today? Be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not just talking about going to church. Because going to church is no different than going sitting in the middle of the garage if you don't do anything with it. Right? You can call yourself a Christian all day long. You can call yourself a car all day long. If you, if you call yourself a car and sit in the middle of the garage, it don't make you one. Just like going to church saying doesn't make you a Christian. So again, I'm not talking about the formalities. I'm talking about raising up children that will learn how to know the voice of God. Who who, who will learn how to hear and follow the voice of God. And begin to discover and follow the plan of God for their life. Amen? I've said this before, but when it comes to your children, it's not for them to be whatever they want to be. And I know this probably rubs cross drain with so many families and so many parents. No, your kids do not have a choice in what they can be. 
And don't we tell our kids that? You can be whatever you want to be. No, it's our jobs as parents to help them discover what God's called them to be. Because they've got a call, they've got an anointing. In fact, the call of God was on their life before you were ever even born. Before you ever thought about being a parent, God had a call on your kid's life. So why not discover it? But once again, we as parents don't do what we need to do to get our kids in the right place at the right time so that they can begin to grow in the things of God. Amen? Let's help them learn at a a young age. And I'll finish with this. When it comes to growing with God, God will always help direct us. Many times as parents, we correct and we punish because we're frustrated. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You correct or you punish out of frustration. And sometimes it's just out of ignorance on the child's behalf. God, when it comes to ignorance, God gives direction Not punishment. Did you hear me? When it comes to ignorance, God gives direction and gives instruction, not punishment. It's only when we rebel that correction comes. Right? And so therefore, God doesn't want us to get to a place of being ignorant. And he certainly don't want us to be rebellious. I mean, so what's the difference? About, uh, what's the difference between being ignorant or rebellious? I saw the statement the other day that said the difference between a mistake is the second time you do it, it's a choice. Right? I made a mistake. Well, I made a mistake again. No, the second time you just made a conscious choice. Once you learn, you can move forward. And so God wants us to grow spiritually, and God wants us to begin to instill that in the next generation. Amen. So why don't we do that right now? Just purpose to pursue God. Pursue Him, worship Him for just a moment. Just to allow Him to direct us. Allow us to have our hearts pliable and vulnerable before Him. Vulnerable between one another. You might say, well, I'm not a good singer. It don't matter if you're a good singer or not. Make a joyful noise. Let's just worship God. If you have kids, purpose to bring them. Say, well, this is over their head. Catching the things of the Spirit. It's not all by just simply teaching. You get the atmosphere of it. Amen? Come on, let's let's worship God. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life